All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. Today, we have Joe Beckman. I love this guy. Let me give you a little background on how I met Joe. Is um, I don't know, about maybe uh, six months, a year ago almost, I think. I had a viral video get crazy with, uh, at this point, I think there's like 27 million views. And right some, somewhere in the first few weeks of that, uh, you know, there, I was, there was crazy messages coming in and phone calls and people recognized me everywhere I went from the video. And uh, I got an email from Joe and it was him. It was, it was, it was, it was a video on this email of him sitting on his couch at his house talking about the video and, um, and what I had to say and my thoughts, how he believed the same things. And there was this clear connection between the two of us. We talked on the phone after that. We've talked a number of times. And every time I talk to this dude, I, um, I get to know him on a deeper level and it's clear, man, that we are on the same page when it comes to building relationships with kids and teachers and parents and communities to make schools in a magical place where the lives of kids are changed forever. He's awesome. He's on the road, man. He's been on the road for the last, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that, speaking to kids. And, and, and he's out there now, and he's all over the nation. And let me tell you, man, if you want someone to come and speak to uh, kids and educators at your conference, at your school, he's, he's a great guy to call. And uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to this, uh, to, to this episode to get to know this guy a little bit uh, better. We're going to spend about an hour on the phone and on the, uh, on the Zoom video chat, and uh, let's see what happens. Joe Beckman, here we go. It is, uh, man, it's early there, dude. What time is it there? Oh, it's not bad. Uh, it's nine, but uh, <laughs> there was a school out in New Jersey that called me and said, hey, is there any way you can do like uh, basically this for like a whole assembly of kids? I did a live event there in the fall. Yeah. Um, and I always like, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. You know what I mean? And so she reached out and was like, hey, we're doing this big event. Could you pop in for a quick little like 15 minute? thing and I was like well you're in New Jersey I'm in California so that's gonna be three hours we we started that bad boy at 6 30 this morning so I've been I've been up and about so yeah that's what I'm talking about you're living the life brother yeah dude I love it man I love the hustle I love people ask me all the time like do you like traveling and like being away and it's like the consequence obviously is you get I'm missing a crap ton of time with my family right. and I miss that big time um but when I can separate that and just look at like what we're doing and like where we're going and like the hustle of it. I, I really like, there's something in me that I think I said that in a text. Uh, Cause I just, I love the grind. I love, I love the hustle, you know? And I just, I'm like, just, I feel so grateful that we've gotten to the point where we are busy that I just see it all as like, kind of like a gift without sounding like a purple dinosaur, you know, fuzzy feelings or whatever. So a little kumbaya session with Joe. Exactly. <laughs> hey man, I was thinking, um, when you and I, um, I was thinking about the way we met, man, you sent me that video of you sitting on your couch at your house and, uh, commenting on my video and man, that, like you're the, the, you know, it's crazy of, of 20, whatever, six, 27 million views that you're the one guy that took time to make a video <laughs> and send it to me about the, about my video, man. How crazy is that? Yeah. I, uh, I always feel like, how do you cut through the clutter? Like, I just wanted to get your attention. And yeah. I was like, I need 
him to like, I need him to know that like I can feel like a connection. And uh, I just, as I looked at that video, I always am trying to think of like, how do we like, like how do we combine forces with people in order? There's just so much good that needs to be done in this world. Um, And how do we multiply you know, single efforts like you and me together. And so I see your video and I'm like, that dude speaks my language. He speaks it. He He share, like, there's just like so many things that I was like, we are uh, connected. And so reaching out via video is simply a way for me to cut through the clutter. Cause I saw all the people commenting and I saw the shares and I was like, I know he's getting just bombarded right now. So yeah. I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it, it did the job. I'll tell you that. Dude, it works, man. And um, dude, let's get into this. So when we first met, you were telling me your story. Let's go back a little bit because you've been on the road doing the kid thing and working with kids and teachers for years, man. How'd you, how did you first get into it? So uh, I have the uh, ex-athlete turned actor story um, where I was in high school and kind of destined to be the varsity kid in basketball, football, baseball, uh, suffered a stress fracture in my back and was told contact sports were no longer really an opportunity for at least a few years. Um, And then about a year after that, the theater director, I went to an all-male military academy, let's just say Uh, participation in the fine arts was lacking. And so our theater director is coming in and trying to recruit actors for the upcoming musical. And 90% of the kids are zoned out and sleeping or whatever. And I'm like, wait a second. I've always kind of wanted to try something like this, but I'd never be because I've always been playing sports and I'm not doing anything. And why not try out? And of course, every voice in my head's like, you're going to fail. You're going to be judged. Don't do it. And kind of uh, well, I, I did it for another reason too, that the, the plays happened at the all girls school down the road. And so I was like, Here we go. I think I could probably meet some girls in this venture. I try out, I end up getting a part, uh, in the, like, it's one of those, like when you step on the stage, you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of what I think I should be doing. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. Cause I was a sophomore in high school. Right. But I just continued to do the theater thing and the acting thing. Um, I graduated in college was a major up a small college up in Minnesota where I live. Um, and since then I've been speaking in schools all over the country. I was with another organization for about 12 years, kind of speaking their message. And that's where I got my at bats and my reps. Cause every day we would go into a different school in a different community. And I would give these like 15 to 20 minute talks, but it was within like a much larger program, like a full day. Um, and so when I, when about three years ago, when I stepped out on my own, um, got, I kind of got the itch to like, try some of my own ideas and share my own message. I had to really shift my game because there's a big difference between sharing a 15 minute message with a group that's seen you for two hours, yeah. like loves you already versus a 60 minute message when the kids are coming in going, who's this clown that I've never met before. And why am I going to the freaking auditorium? Right. Like, right. so like. I've had to really over the last three years, like reinvent like what I'm doing and like how I'm connecting. And it's so crazy because I feel like within like the last three weeks, I've just figured it out. Like every month, it seems like I'm just kidding. Like, Oh, right. That's the better story to share in that moment. Or that's how I should intro it. Like I should bring my guitar out here or there or whatever it may be. So, um, that's kind of how I got here right now. And now like, this year we'll, we'll probably speak 90 different times in like about, you know, 90 different school communities or conferences or uh, professional development days. Like we're crazy, crazy busy. Um, and that's, I mean, yeah, I think it's for a couple different reasons, but that's, that's how we got here to answer your question. 
Yeah, man. And, um, you know, here's, here's what I want to tell you is, um, this particular, this particular, uh, show that you do now, your, your, your 60 minute that you do for kids, um, this version of it, how many times do you think you've done it? Like this version of yeah, it? Yeah, this version. Uh, this specific version that I did yesterday at Thousand Oaks High School in mm-hmm. California here, uh, I've probably done that one that way probably seven times. Yeah. At this point. And you know what? Here's a, here's, here's what I, here's what I found out is a buddy of mine. His name is Rich, Rich Redmond. And he's a famous drummer, plays on the road with Nashville acts, plays with Jason Aldean, plays around the world. And he also speaks. And he has, um, he has a program that we put together. You know, I helped him just kind of with the concept of birthing this thing at the very beginning of it. And we talked about it for a couple of hours and it's called Crash Course. And, um, he asked me one day, he said, man, where, at what point in your presentation, like after how many reps did you feel 100% comfortable? And I said, I don't know, man, I'm at a couple hundred. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, like I felt really good after a dozen or so, but till I, till a hundred percent, like I knew for a fact, this is how it works. This is why it works. I knew like the details and, and, and like it became a part of me. Probably a couple hundred. And yeah. it's true, man. Like, you know, just just like back in your acting days, like it took a ton of reps for you to really feel like that character was who you are in that moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, I think that's something about that, um, that I, I think is really important that, that students in general, like many times we, sh- they shy away from things because it's, it feels really hard or it feels like, they're never going to be as good. They look around at the other people around them and say, I'll never be as good at them at that. So they don't even get the first at bat. Yeah. What they don't realize is that that's all it takes. It takes just at bat after at bat after at bat. And eventually, yeah, you're going to fail and you're going to struggle um, and you're going to stumble along the way. But that's part of the process in order you know, to get good at something at any, at anything, right. No matter what it is. Um, yeah, man. I think, I think this is a challenging generation for kids. I think for my generation growing up in the seventies and the eighties, you know, without social media, you, to, if, to, to see someone who was really good at something, there was, you could tell, or maybe there was just a built in assumption, like a presupposition that that person worked their ass off for years at that thing. But now with this generation with social media, they'll see some, you know, just this amazing talent on Instagram doing whatever it is that they do. And for some reason, there's a presupposition that, Hey man, that's they're, they're They just have to be really good at it on day one. When the truth is, man, like they missed, you missed the years and the reps of practicing and what, whatever their talent is to get where they are today. And that's kind of what's true about you, brother, is like people think, hey, man, this guy kind of broke out of nowhere and he's booked all the time. He's doing schools around the nation. <laughs> no, man, you missed a decade, over a decade worth of work on stage in front of kids trying to connect and do the right and, you know, I think I think that that you like you're all that you have going on is a great metaphor for kids, man. Like this is this is like, yeah, man, this is an overnight success for sure. Like 12 years in the making of overnights, 15 years for you to get yeah. where you are today. Yeah. And I, that is, um, I think, just not feeling any sort of discomfort, any kind of pain, anything outside of our comfort zone in general is seen to be. Um, and I think parents struggle with this too. Like I'm a parent of three, like we protect our kids. We don't want them to feel any of that pain. But the problem is that pain builds like that grit muscle. And without that, you know, that we don't practice that, that gets flabby and weak. 
And then kids are struck with these really hard situations where they're overwhelmed and stressed and they're going, holy crap, like, I don't know how to deal with this because I have no resiliency built in. And so um, there's, it's part of like our, as we move forward as a culture, we've gotten so many easy buttons and it's become so addictive just to be able to quickly fix a problem without having to really dig in. I am as guilty of it as anybody. If there's something that happens in my house and I'm like, I don't know how to fix that. Like, I'll just like quickly like put up a YouTube video or I'll call somebody. Like, I don't like, you know, many times I don't put in the work that I would need to do because it's outside of my comfort zone. And uh, I think that's a real struggle because once kids get, you know, punched in the mouth by life, which happens to all of us, they don't have those like resiliency, like, you know, the muscles there basically to, to fight back on that. It's, it's why we're seeing a lot of anxiety and depression. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, a huge message that parents need to hear is let your kids stumble, fail, skin their knees, screw up, mess up, let them like feel that pain and don't go in and sweep them away from it basically. Right. And like, let them sit in that for a little bit because that's important. You know what, man, here, here's the interesting thing is, um, and I can tell that you have noticed this too. And that is for those of us, like for me, like I get it. I get it on such a deep level. You I mean, you could kind of look at my life and my things that I do professionally and personally, I seek the pain. Like I seek out uncomfortable stuff. I want, I want to feel awkward. I want to feel that I suck at it. That because that's what drives me. And I, and I love doing stuff that other people can't get themselves to do. Like I'm on that extreme, you know, extreme end of the spectrum, but here's yeah. what's fascinating is when it comes to parenting and, you know, they call it the uh, lawnmower parent. That's what yeah. like the phrase is where they, you try to mow down all the obstacles and I am the worst man. Like I am the absolute, <laughs> like I know what I should be doing. Cause I do it all day long. Like that's what I'm all about. But at the same time, Oh my God, dude, I, I'm, be- I'm better now that I'm aware, but like, for, you got a big heart, man. That's yeah, it. Like, like for the longest it. time, like, I don't want to see my kid suffer, you know, and struggle and dude. And what's amazing for my daughter, just like you, she's an actor and she is in a, she's in a magnet school. That's for arts for for, and, and she's an, she's an acting major. Yeah. And so, and, and they run it like professionally where like you have to audit she you know you have to audition and you have to not get it all the time like she not she does not get the part all the time and and to watch that dude it is so painful like i seriously want to go bribe those people just give her the part man here's a hundred bucks yeah oh man totally so what's uh how how are you like what's going on with you man like i don't know how you this conversation turns into reform sort of thing or if you, yeah, if you just okay. say i'm the guy who answers the question you shut up joe beckman i don't know no but. dude it's what it's back and forth man and so um man for for me dude i've been on the road i was on the road in kansas and oh my god it's so cold there and uh, i i'll tell you like one time i came out I'm of the everywhere dude i'm in california right now and i'm wearing uh, a hoodie and i mean it's it's cold it's like 40 yeah. degrees so it's not and i was just in dallas texas i was in your state uh-huh. it was cold I was like, how's it cold in Texas? It's back and forth, man. A couple of days ago, it was 78. Yesterday, it was like 42. And it's, <laughs> I mean, this is part of the deal. And um, But, man, I was in Kansas, and there was a time I came out of the – I came out of the hotel and they're picking me up in the car. I came out of the, like, I seriously had second thoughts. Like I took about three steps. I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. It's like, like, I can't even get to the car. I'm like halfway. I'm, I got three steps to go more. I'm not sure going to make it, man. <laughs> It was crazy, and uh, so I've been doing that. And um, today, this afternoon, I'm going to meet with an elementary school and do some leadership stuff with their admin team and some uh, teachers. 
it's been good, man. Just doing my thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate like when I was just listening to the pod, I just appreciate your, your authenticity and what you bring to the table and your experience being in the classroom yourself. I bet resonates very strongly with the people that are in the audience. Well, man, here's the thing is, um, and I was going to bring this up is, man, I have decades and decades of experience, um, K through 12 and I've taught in tiny schools out in the rural, like in the countryside, tiny little school, you know, like where they graduate 10 kids, yeah. you know, you know, like the top 10% and the valedictorian is the same person. And, um, you know, and I've taught in inner city schools and gangsters and in, man, I've taught it all. And, um, you know, everything from band to uh, science and language arts and leadership and, and you yeah, have tons of experience. And, but what's cool about you, man, is of all the people that I have seen out there that do professional development stuff for teachers, like there's, there's some of them that have no experience and every teacher is sitting in that audience thinking you have no idea, but what's cool. There's two people I have found that really, because of who they are, have built the credibility. And one guy is Dr. Adam signs. He's never taught, but he like, he gets it and he on such a deep level and, and it's you, man. And what, what I think it is, it's because you've spent the last 15 years working with kids and schools. So maybe you haven't, you know, been a traditional classroom teacher, but really yeah. you've, you've spent, you know, a decade and a half teaching kids every day. Yeah. Uh, and that was actually as, as I transitioned into like this, like business on my own, I realized that I, if I'm going to do this and schools are going to bring me in and districts are going to bring me in, they're going to want as much bang for their buck as they can. So I can't just speak to students, although that was that discomfort thing for me, right? Like, who am I to speak to a teacher? I've never been in the classroom. And there were too many times where I literally, I was that guy where they were in the audience because they said, hey, can you speak to our teachers? And I said, sure. But I didn't know what I was going to say. And so I went in and I was like, there's so many times where I could just see it in their faces, that malaise, right? That just like, yeah. this thing. and I was like, oh my gosh, I got three more hours and I'm just sweating. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. And then I realized that like what I can bring to the table isn't like, is, is, is all I bring to the table when I speak to kids. Like it's all about reminding them of the importance of human connection and reminding them of why they got into what they did in the first place. And that was at one point in their lives, very clear, right? They felt that I always say that tug on your heart that said, you are uniquely designed to inspire, influence and impact a young person's heart. And we said, they said yes to that, that, that tug at one point. And then somewhere along the line, because of just everything that's part of a, our life as an educational system right now, that gets buried and yeah. we forget about it. And what I realized is I don't have to come in and tell teachers something they don't already know. I just need to remind them of what their heart intuitively has always known. And I just, all I do is take that, all the stuff that they've piled on, like their, like the, why they got into it in the first place. And I just kind of remove it. And I just get them to see again, like, this is why you're doing what you do. And, and these are the people that you get to do it with every single day. And the stronger you are with each other, the bigger impact you can have on the kids, which is why you got into this in the first place. And it's like, that's common sense, right? But common sense isn't always common practice. Hell and no, so, man, because this is such an emotional gig, man, because of the kids yeah. and because of what we do and we're in the trenches in the classroom. And there's so much, there's so many expectations piled yeah. up on the plate of all that we have to deliver. 
You know, and because of that emotion, we lose, we oftentimes as teachers, man, we lose what we're, what, what we signed up for in the first place. And you're right, man. Like some teachers lose that. And, and here's the thing. What I always tell people is teachers lose that oftentimes within the first 10 minutes of their career, because with this profession, this is the only profession on the planet where we have the same expectations of a first day, first year, first minute teacher as we do of a 30 year veteran. Totally. And because of all those responsibilities and all that pressure, and they have no idea what they're doing. They, they, they really, because all they do is student taught. You don't really learn anything there. You learn by teaching. So because of the pressure, the, everything fades away and now they're caught up in the grind and, and they, and they lose the sense of that tug on their heart that they felt when they were sitting on the edge of the bed in the third grade thinking someday when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. They lose that. And then in addition to that, man, when, when they're caught up in the grind now and they're just doing their thing and, and they're, it, it's, it's hard for them to grow personally and professionally because of the pressure. From which they, they're receiving, you know, from the, their administrators, their team members, their, the parents, the central office, that pressure, they get buried and now they can't even. So we're piling all more stuff on their plate that they have to deliver where they, they can't even find the plate, man. Like th that has been buried for years. And, you know, oftentimes the most, the, the really, like when I, when I leave a school and I look back and think, okay, what was the best thing that I provided on that day? You know what? Oftentimes it is. Oftentimes it wasn't for some schools. It wasn't the new information that I or new content that I brought. What it was, I was able to flip the switch to turn on the light so they can see what they already have. Like they have the pieces. They have this school family. They have they have the heart. They have they have the skill. They have the compassion. They have all the ever the experience. Everything they need. Sometimes my, those six hours is really about flipping the light on so these professionals can see the family that they have, that they can go and make a difference in the lives of those kids. It, it's, it's all like how many times have you worked in a school where they're like, you, this is the hardest class you've ever seen, we've ever seen. And you're there and you're like, these kids are just normal kids. They're like kids. They're, they're, they're not that much harder than this. You know what I mean? But we, we only know what we know and we get stuck in our own perspective and our own world. And, um, it's very easy just to, our brains do this automatically. We see and focus on the negative. It's a, it's a caveman thing from 25,000 years ago. It's a protection thing. Right. And so if we're constantly, um, burying ourselves with all these different tasks and we're not focusing and putting any intention and energy like on our own personal happiness and positivity. And I'm not like mantra guy and like, you know, there's no weeds, there's no weeds or whatever. Like that's not me. But like when we devoid ourselves from all things up and just pile more stuff on top of like the existing pile, like unfortunately it's really hard to see the forest through the trees and, and that just impacts like everything that we do. Right. We go into survival mode and, Whatever I'm going on a tangent right now, but I think you get it. Yeah, man. You know what? I, what I always say, and I probably say it every day, and I probably said it on at least ninety percent of these podcasts. Is you know I have this saying that we use in my business, in my house, in my home, in my classroom, in with my work with teachers, and that is you can't read the label from inside the bottle. And the challenge in the classroom and education get so caught up in the emotion of the work. It's really hard to see the solution because you're inside of it, man. You're in there, but any everybody else looking from the outside in, the the answer, it, the solution is so obvious. It's printed right there on the outside. Like I can read it from here, man. 
but since you're in it, it's a, it's extremely hard to see. And I always, you know, to present that idea to educators, I say, you know, isn't it true that you're, the most frustrating moments happen in your classroom? But at the same time, isn't it also true that when you're walking down the hallway and you see some crazy class, you can peek in the door and within three seconds, you can come up with the 10 ideas, 10 solutions to solve what's going on. It's like obvious. It's right there. That's because that teacher is buried under it in the emotion inside the bottle. It's really hard to see the solution. Totally. Yeah. I, uh, I agree a hundred percent. And so that's, that's, that's it. It's just giving people the permission. That's what I do to, to see what they already have in front of them, um, to move away and just separate so that I think they can just kind of almost like, I always think about the old school Nintendo. I'm old enough to have like an old school Nintendo where they had two buttons. They had a reset button and they had a power button. Uh, and I think the power down button, that's, that's not really what I do. I don't bring like a whole new slew of things. They power down, they come back and there's a whole new like set of data that they have. Uh, I just do the reset button where they get to just hit that, you know, reset button, remind themselves what they do so that they can go back there and have the biggest influence uh, on those kids. So, yeah, man. And like, in like, you know what it is also for me is, um, man, there's so many analogies between what you do and what I do. And for me, it really is giving, providing, we're really empowering teachers with the permission to go back and reset together with their classroom family. And it really is okay on any Wednesday to stand in the hallway. Kids are coming down the hall, have the door closed, and meet right here in the hallway before we go into classroom. And let's talk about it because the last few days, man, things have been crazy in our classroom family. Before we go back into that room and join together, let's chat about a few things. And you know what? The, the, the people that are best at hitting the reset button are kids. You know what? They, they, okay. okay, cool. <laughs> they, they don't know more. Let's do it. And, you know, where, you know, adults, man, because we have all this experience built up over the last, you know, for me, five decades, but kids don't have anything built up. There's no inventory of experiences from them, you know, hold them down, man. They're just, you want to, re- they're, you know, okay, they're crazy resilient. We're, we're resetting today. Well, let's do it. Good. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, too. But um, I think that's another thing of like, you want to build connection in your classroom? Like, give students the benefit of the doubt on a lot more than, than you're doing. Like I always talk about the importance of like building connection right off the bat. And one of the ideas I share is like have music going in as the kids are coming into your classroom. What happens when kids hear music, they sing sometimes not well, but they sing and they look up and they connect and they smile. And man, what if, what if you actually let the kids choose some of the music that everybody walks into obviously you have to be smart about the the filters and things like that but like just give them the opportunity um to provide some of their genius into your classroom and just watch what that does to a kid who doesn't feel all that engaged you know just amazing it really is man it really and you know i always say you know, I, you can look at it on a macro point of view as a school year, or you can look at a micro perspective for just one period of one class today. It really is making that upfront investment, brother, where it is. I mean, listen, man, when, when it comes to creating a, a classroom culture, man, you can invest a little bit of time upfront. 
or you can pay dearly every day for this school year, every day for that period. You know, and for yeah. me, it really is about those first two minutes, man. What does it feel like? Because I want those kids to have that emotion, create that emotion when they come through the door, the handshake, the high five, the hug, the eye contact, you know, that greeting. And then those first two minutes when we're together with our family inside of that classroom, what is going on in those two minutes? Because that's going to determine the next 58. Maya Angelou says, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel. And I think back to my junior year in high school, we had an English teacher named Mr. Rosengren. And every day he'd stand outside his classroom. Every day he'd shake my hand. Every day, Mr. Beckman, I'm happy to have you in my class. Yep. I loved English. Yeah. That handshake. Right. Here's, here's the thing, dude. First of all, I had Maya. She was in my third period, her junior year. So she got that from me. She stole all that. And she stole that. Yeah. Whole, yeah that was, that, that's my a, stuff, oh, man. How blessed is, is she to have you in her life? <laughs> yeah, man. Here's, here's the thing, dude. Is um, now that I've been on the road for so long, I hear those same stories. Like, and, and here, you know, like, we all have them, man. Like, right. we, you know, I can go up to anybody anywhere and shoot a quick video there in the airport and say, hey, man, tell, tell me about the teacher that comes to your mind first. And everybody has one. In like a matter of seconds. You, I don't even know my kids' birthdays like half the time. I'm yep. trying to fill out the yeah. But I can tell you about Mr. Westlake, my physics teacher from senior year, right. who I have business even being in that class because I'm not a bright kid. Physics was way over my head. And yet I stuck the entire time because it was Mr. Westlake because he loved kids. You know what it is also, man, is I had a, a teacher tell me, I believe I was in Arizona and we were doing like a convocation back to school thing. And, you know, people coming up at the break and chit chatting and I had a teacher come up and tell me and she goes, you know what? Um, throughout my, um, she goes, I cannot remember the names of any of my teachers, my second grade year, not one. And she said, but I remember Miss Judy in the lunch line because every day Miss Judy would give me a wink and she would give me the, and she would, she knew my name and she would comment on something. And she told me this whole story. She goes, I remember before Christmas, Miss Judy said, Oh my God, look at those shoes. She had sparkle shoes on. And she goes, I'm going to get some just like that. I'm going to ask Santa for some. And she said, and she told me like the first day back from Christmas break, there's Miss Judy, you know, at the cafeteria and you're in the line serving up the roll. And she goes, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so glad you're, and she picks up and she holds the shoe up. She goes, look, look what Santa brought me. She That's says, awesome. I, I know, and like, I think like, like oftentimes we think it has to be some teacher that makes this, you know, the strategic, well thought out monumental impact on a kid's life when really it's anybody in the school just taking a second that oftentimes results in a memory for a lifetime and changes a kid's life. Yeah. Every, I mean, every, think about, I always think about the bus driver that picks up my kids every morning. That's the first adult that my kids see. And every day he says, good morning. Every day he waves to me every day. Like there's some kind of human connection. And like, you think of that. And then you think of the, um, the, the person that's, you know, the, the secretary at the front office or the administrator there, who's helping all the things behind the scenes and every interaction that they have with parents and kids that walk into their building. Like we all, all adults in a building are responsible for setting the culture as well as creating special moments with kids. And it doesn't take much. I always say it's not about changing the world. It's about changing one person's day. And we have thousands of opportunities to change one person's day every single day. And it doesn't, it doesn't take much. Right. And I just think that's where, that's where the, it's so important to take away all that stuff that lives on top of why you got into this work. Because when we do that, 
we're able to clear the mind and the space and give ourselves a little bit, there's more real estate for us in our brains to look out for those moments of creating like difference maker moments for life in the life of a kid. Right. But when we're cluttered and we're, everything's piled on and we're negative and we're, our heads are buried in the sand and then the grading and all that stuff, there's just no room to see those moments of awesomeness or to find a kid and make them feel special. It's just so hard. And so that's why all the stuff that like, I think you and I talk about um, is like the, I, I, I talk a lot about like the precursor to any kind of connection, what we need to be doing beforehand um, so that we can clear that space so that we can create as many impacts as we can. But you're right going back to what you said, it, it's, it's little things. And every one of us is like, I sort of like, there's times when I'm doing these professional development days and there's like, I hate to like be the stereotypical thing, but there's the old gym teacher in the back with the paper up. Yep. He's been doing it for 40 years and there's nothing that you're going to teach him. And I just want to go dude for two seconds, put the paper down and realize that if you went and got down on one knee and looked at a second grade boy and told him that you believe in him, that kid would remember that conversation for the rest of their life. But your paper is up right now and you're checked out before you even checked in. And not to mention, you would never allow any kid in your class to do that when you're up there teaching. But that's a different story for a different day. But yeah. uh, You know what, man? I'm going to give you some power here, brother. And feel free to do this. I've done it twice. And I've done, I don't know how many hundreds of schools I've been to. You know, I've never done it at conferences where people come, like when I host a Teaching a Rockstar conference, people come to see me because the people that show up are like the choir members. I'm always preaching to the choir. They're your tribe. Yeah. And so, but when, when I'm at a school, this just, um, I think the last one was two Augusts ago. I was at a school and there was the back row and, um, like, and, you know, and that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm always trying to pull people forward and that's part of the deal. I get it. And, um, but in the back row, they were talking back and forth and they have their stuff out, not the newspaper, but they had some data out and some kids' names and, you know, all this stuff. And I go back there and I, and, um, you know, I, and like, I'm, I, I've done this thing so long, man, I can flip off the mic and say something and flip it back on real quick, you know, and I reach behind my back to, you know, the transmitter. And I said, um, you know, I flip it off and said, Hey, listen, I know you guys have a little thing going on here, but I got a little thing going on up front here too. So if you don't mind holding it down, I'd appreciate it. Are we good? They say, Oh yeah, we're sorry. And I go back and there comes the talking and the laughing back and forth. And I go back with like, you know, like that whole teacher thing. Yeah. And I tell them one more time, hey, listen, last chance, okay? Are we clear? And I go back, I'm doing my thing, and, they, and it happens again. And by the way, there was no principal on campus. This is her uh, three or four APs and a couple of counselors. And, like, all the teachers are engaged. We're having a great – like, this is a powerful day together. And right. I finally – and I shut it down. I said, all right, stop right there. Everybody, right there. You guys back row, stand up. You're out. You're done. Goodbye. Let's go. I tried. I kicked them out, dude. you're out of here baby you know and man here's the other thing is what 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 we were talking about is with um on campus man changing school culture like when i show up and i do the be the one event which is all about revolutionizing campus and classroom culture people always want to know like what are the big things like it's two they're like two things and that is exactly what you're saying it's the moment where everybody completely understands that school culture on this campus is up to one person and that's me when everybody believes that deeply. And then the last thing, the second thing is when they realize that everybody here, like, dude, we all have different job titles on this campus, but we all have the same role. 
to change a kid's life. Like you yeah. could be the cafeteria, or you could be the nurse, you could be school secretary, you know, attendance clerk, registration officer, teacher, coach. It's all the like that's your job title, fine, but we all have the same role, and that is to make a deep, profound, sustainable impact on the lives of these kids. And and that doesn't just start and stop when class starts and the bell rings and class. You know what I mean? Like yep. the best moments aren't when I'm speaking in front of 500 kids in a school. Some of the best moments are in the hallways when I'm in St. Louis at Reed Elementary and um, the contact that I was with said, hey, I want you to go meet Annie. And Annie is um, severely handicapped. We're walking with a walker and she's not looking at me and she's not really communicating. And I'm just having a conversation with her and I'm not getting a lot. And finally I look at her and go, Annie, do you like to sing? And she looked at me and she kind of nodded and I said, this little light of mine. And she goes, I'm going to let it shine. And we had this moment and it was amazing. And later in the day, I said to her, her para, I said, is there any way I could get Annie to come out and she can be my guest singer in front of all the kids when we do this little light of mine? And sure enough, we got Annie out there got the microphone all set up and it was just kindergartners and first graders, but Annie was the guest singer. Yeah. And that doesn't happen if I shut off in between my talks. No man. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm there for the day. I'm not there to get on stage, to go off stage, to find the nearest lounge so that I can check out and check my email so that I can just recharge again to go talk to the next group. I'm there and I know that some of the most important conversations, moments, experience that I have will be in between the moments that I'm on stage and I look for them. And that's the other thing. It's not just going to magically jump out. you got to look for those moments of opportunity. And they're there if you see them. If you look, I guarantee it. I find them all the time. You know, I'm not some amazing wizard that like sees things that other people don't. They're all around us. Yeah. you got to continue to do your job outside of the 45 minutes that you're teaching your class. You know, what I have discovered is when we train, you know, there's a class just to teach where, I mean, that's what the whole class was about, was making a difference in the lives of other people. It was a leadership program. It was a mentoring program. It was seniors, and they all had little kids that, that we would mentor at these different elementary schools that we would visit, you know, once a week. And, and here's what was the best part is because that we obsessed so much about making a difference in the lives of the people around us. That became like once we brought that to the forefront of their mind, they began to see those opportunities everywhere. And it's kind of the analogy is like if you decide, you know what, man, I'm going to buy I'm going to buy a, a new car. In fact, I want to buy one of those four wheel drive, you know, outback things that you people need up there in Minnesota. And I want to get I'm going to get the forest. I'm going to get the forest green one. Cause I really, cause I saw that one and I want to, I want to, and, and now that's on, like, that's on your mind and you're okay. And you're Saturday. I'm going to go buy that thing. And today is uh Wednesday. Well, what the crazy thing is for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you start seeing those things everywhere. The same make oh. the same model, the same year. Cause now it's on the forefront of your mind. And the same thing happens with kids and teachers and those people in the school. When we create that culture where now they're obsessing over being the one to make a difference in the lives of other people. It doesn't happen just in school. It happens everywhere they go 24, seven, 365 forever. Yeah. 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 And, and it's needed, right? Like I always talk about the fact that like you sometimes know the kids who need it and sometimes you don't. Um, 
you know, it's part of my story. My daughter, um, she was diagnosed with um, depression in third grade. And uh, on the outside, she's got it all, right? She's got a uh, good mom, good dad, house, food on the table. Like her dad's a motivational speaker who speaks all over the country to kids. Like life has got to be great, right? And the truth is she struggles. And sometimes she struggles pretty mightily. And uh, nobody in her class knows. Her teacher knows, but nobody else knows. And, uh, and you would never know because you just would never know. And everybody has something like that. We all have our something. You know, my daughter always, why can't it be normal? Why can't it be just like everybody else? Why do I have to feel like this? And I, I always say, I don't know, but we all have something. You yeah. think about like, you know, it's easy for me as a dad to be like, well, think about all the other things that people have. You got nothing, you know, but it's her reality, right? We talked about that earlier. We only know what we know. She's in the water bottle. She can't read the label, right? She's just in it. And so she can't see outside of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I just think it's so important to just understand that the smallest little interactions that you have, whether you're a student and you're connecting with another student or a teacher connecting with a student or even gosh, a student connecting with a teacher. Like how many times has a kid said something to an adult that has just changed the game for that adult, right? Like what we have to understand is all of us, adults and kids are going through stuff. We all have our own story. And every day, like those little moments either make that story a, a little easier to deal with or a little bit more challenging. And why not make it a little bit easier, right? Why not? You know, man, is, um, you know, one of the best things that someone told me when I first began this wacky teaching career is that they said your students will forever be better actors than you are a teacher. And like, I didn't get it at first because I'm a little, you know, clearly a little slow on the uptake. But after about 10 years, I got it because I would find out what those once those kids graduated and now they're 25 and 26 years old, 28 years old, you know, 10 years later. They would come back and tell me what was really going on in their lives. And like you said, brother, this is a kid with a great family. They went to youth group every Thursday night. They have beautiful cars, a beautiful home. But what that means, those kids will forever be better actors than you are a teacher, is that you don't know what's really going on in that kid's life. Now, in that, in that, in that program I was saying, I taught that PALS program, before we ever traveled to the schools, for my seniors to meet up with their little buddy at each one of these schools, uh, we would spend about six weeks together before we ever left, before we ever paired them up, and we would just focus on what we're going to do with our kids once we met them. And one of the and one of the last things we would do before we traveled was called campfire. And we would sit in a circle. This is after the relationships is built deeply, man. And there's tons of confidentiality and belief in each other and trust. And we sit, we turn off the lights, we put we put a little campfire like a plastic Yuletide log. You know, we plug it in and let that thing glow in the middle of our circle. And every kid had an opportunity to tell their story. And and what would come out of the mouths of men, I can't even, like, I can still, I can, I can still, this is, well, I don't even know, 15 years later, I can still go around the circle and picture faces. And I can remember the stories that those kids would tell. And it was the, some of the most traumatic, painful, just emotional, just physically painful stories that they, that they would tell. And, he, and, and what I loved about those days of spending time in the dark in the circle with those kids that love one another is I would love that now they know for sure everyone has a story. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I would remind them, I said, now remember who sits in the circle? We had hundreds and hundreds of juniors apply 
to be a pal their senior year. And here's, and here's the two dozen. We went through all those people to find you. Imagine what their stories are. Like here sits the, the most compassionate kind of people in the school, the best hearts I could find. Yeah. Imagine what they've been through. And so now these kids for the rest of their lives, every, when they would walk down the hallway in school, I would tell them, man, look in the eyes of every kid passing by. Imagine what their story might be. It's unbelievable. Everybody has yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And then when you apply it to like that dude who was a jerk to you in line or cut you off in traffic yep. that you just want to punch in the throat, right? And then you go, wait, what's this? You know, who knows what happened to that dude or that lady before, you know, they got on the road that day or before, you know what I mean? And yep. who knows what happened? It's just so much that you just don't know. Um, yeah, man. Like what happened 15 minutes before that, or even what happened 15 years before that. Right. right. Exactly. And all, and that's, and so here's the other thing that I talk to adults about is how important it is to tell your story and to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I don't say that on the couch and you go through all your traumatic experiences with your kids, like you would in like, uh, you know, a psychiatrist's office, but don't be afraid to share not just the great stuff, but like the crappy stuff too. the times where you fell on your face and messed up and made the wrong choice and screwed up and where life got messy because those stories make you human. And at the end of the day, it's your humanness, not your intelligence. That's going to have the deepest impact on kids. Right. And so when you do that, when you're honest, not only do you just set, you bring that platform of where they see you and where they see themselves you, you make it a little bit more even. And secondly, you start processing through that yourself. Why am I like a healthy individual? I think I've had a lot of crappy things that have happened. I've done stupid things, but I talk about it all the time in my stories. I'm literally processing through those moments. Every day I'm telling those stories. And we live with these stories and we pent them up and we push them down. And they we think that at age 30, all of a sudden a switch is going to flip and we're going to, or flip is going to switch and we're going to like all of a sudden be rid of all that bad stuff. But it manifests itself in all these different areas in our lives. And I just think it's incredibly important that we're real, honest, authentic, and maybe most importantly, vulnerable when it comes to like sharing our, our stuff with the community and our tribe, you know? Yeah, man, you know what it is, man. So when I would travel those schools with, with those seniors, you know, I would tell them, hey, man, listen, you know, you're, you're not anybody's therapist. You don't know what you're doing. You're, the, you're just there to listen. And the yeah. reason and the power in listening is it takes all that stuff that's in the kid and gets it outside the bottle because once they say it, now they can look at it. And yeah. now that they look at it, they can process it and understand it and deal with it. So the whole goal is just getting the kid to talk and listen, man, and listen and love the kid relentlessly. And you know what, man, for teachers, I, I really – you know, I spend time, I probably don't spend enough time during my day with teachers in my professional development talk, talking about this, but it's so profoundly true. Like years ago, there was a level of respect for adults from kids. Like, you know, when I was a kid, like in the seventies and in the eighties and, and the re and like, I used to think, cause and now kids, you know, that's changed a little bit. I don't know if you picked up on that, but, but you know, the whole level of respect for adults has changed. And I used to think. Here, here was my working theory for years. My working theory was those kids are disrespectful because they didn't have parents like me. And I believed it until, until I became a teacher. And then I had hundreds of knucklehead kids with amazing parents. And I would think, well, well, wait a minute. Well, if they have amazing parents and their, their siblings are all awesome, what's wrong with this kid? 
and then and then I and so here's my new theory. And I'm I'm not saying this is it, man. This is a working theory, and I'm like, I'm, and I've reserved the right to change it. <laughs> but my my theory, my new theory is is exactly what you're saying. The reason I was respectful in 1979 was because I didn't know the truth. Like I thought all adults were amazing. I really did because we didn't have social media. We didn't have CNN, Fox News, MSM. We didn't know what was going on in the lives. Like, like they covered up the JFK stuff. That dude was an animal, you know, but we covered up all that. stuff. we didn't know the truth, but now today kids know the truth about their, the most respected adults on the planet do the craziest stuff and they get caught. And so I think, and so like that whole assumption, you need to respect me because I'm older than you and I have a college degree. That's okay. <laughs> like, that doesn't work. Like for a kid in the mind of a kid, because you're older than me, you just haven't died yet. Like, <laughs> you know, but I think, I think that's what it's come down to. It's to be that one adult who stands before those kids before that classroom in, in the most authentic and genuine and real and vulnerable way. Those are the adults that those kids respect the most. Yeah. 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 And, it's hard. There's nothing easy about it. I stand up there and I tell the story about my daughter and how she got, we got the email from the nurse and that said, she thinks she has childhood depression and you can't help, but feel like you've done something wrong yeah. as a parent. And so you question everything and then retelling that like there's, I am like half the time I can hardly hold it together. Um, and it's not fun to stand up there and, and tell that story and yet what I know is out of all the stories that I tell, that's the one that's going to probably hit home the most. And so it's not easy to be vulnerable. It, it's really, really, really hard. And yet, again, going back to that discomfort thing, sometimes the hardest thing and the right thing is the same thing, right? Sometimes that discomfort, if you're feeling that, maybe that's a sign that you should be doing something or like going there as a teacher. If it, if it feels like, man, this is pushing me a little bit past my comfort zone, maybe that's a sign that you should lean into that. And I think when it comes to vulnerability and realness and authenticity, we're not, we're not there enough at all. Like we are far behind where we need to be. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it's a practice. Yeah, man. You know, and also in addition to that, it's um, those kids are so suspicious and like they, they don't have the vocabulary for it. For them, it's just a gut feeling. You know, when, when they have that teacher that, that, you know, the old school teacher that stands before the room, you know, because I said so, you know, that whole thing, because I've got the big desk, you have the small desk, that should tell you something. You know, that, you know, they, they have that, that, that me versus you, us versus them type approach. Like that, I, had a teacher, I had a teacher in high school that had a sign that said my way or the highway. Yeah, like, man. Yeah. Do it. I believe in you. Right. My way or the highway. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's where we're going. <laughs> There's no signs about you classroom culture, classroom rules. There's your one rule. That's all you need to know right there, man. And, um, and, but what it is, is those kids are sitting in classes today. They know that's not them. Like they know there, there's a story there because they know deep down they don't, they don't have the words for it. They just have the feeling they know. Everybody knows everybody has a story and like, I don't know who you really are. Like, that's what they're wondering. And because of that disconnect, because of the lack of relationship, those are the classes that have the most clearly the most amount of behavior problems. I remember there was, um, one of the most challenging events I ever did. 
is it's the same thing. I walk in, there's a stale vibe. No, no kids. It's, it's professional development day, but still, even that, and just a look on the faces of the educators. It was it was at a high school in another state, and um, and it, it, there's just no, you know, with my show, I can tell within the first few minutes where this is going to go and click like I'm feeling, Oh my God, it's going to be a long day. And I'm, and I'm giving it everything I got. I'm deep in the passion and, um, and I'm just not connecting. And then at lunch, you know, it felt like it took about nine hours to get to lunch and I'm in the hallway and I'm looking on their panoramic pictures of their senior classes they have lined up and I'm looking and I, and I don't see one kid of color. First of all, is the first thing I noticed. Like I'm not, I'm talking nothing, not even one of anything and it just Caucasian kids. And then I look at their panoramic faculty photo, same thing. And in their faculty photo, they have all positions in the school. They have custodians, they have secretaries, it, it, you know, all, and then it, now these, they send, they have in that particular state, they have more kids in, they have the ACT 30 they, on the, on the wall. They have more kids that are national merit scholars than any other school. And then I realize, oh my gosh, like this is a super high uh, middle class, upper middle class school, complete with no heterogeneous, like complete. They don't have no idea what I'm talking about. Like they don't oh, yeah. get what I'm talking Oh, now I get it. They have no idea because in their school, you know what happens? The teacher gets up in the front of the classroom and starts talking. That's yeah. called teaching. And kids sit there and listen and write down whatever they say and take the test and pass it and do really well academically. Well, that's not really teaching, man. That's called talking. Like that's all they're doing is talking. So they have no idea what I'm even referring to when I'm talking about building a connection with a kid and changing a kid's life. Yeah. But is that something that's like taught? Like, is that just something that's pounded into you as a teacher? Is like, is it like basically like you said in the first 10 minutes when you start, like that's just kind of how it works. And like, you get buried. Um, because again, like I'm guessing nobody gets into this profession because they want to talk. They get into this profession because they want to teach, they want to make a difference. And, um, it turns into, I think a lot of times just talking or, or is it, is what, I don't know. What do you think? You know, man, I think here's, here's what I, here's what I found to be true in no matter the feeling of the crowd in a school, there's always three types of educators sitting in that room. And one is, one type is I'm preaching to the choir, man. Like I'm just I'm reaffirming what they know and what they believe to be true. The other group that I could, that is in there are people that that's who they are, but they've lost it over the years, and I'm bringing them back, you know, and it feels amazing for them. And there's another group that um, they have their arms crossed, they're leaning back in their chair, they're not writing, they're just staring at me. You know, sometimes they have the raised left eyebrow looking at me. That yeah, you know that whole thing. Face, right? Like the, yeah. So and for years, I thought those people think I'm full of shit. Like they, 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 they don't believe what I have to say. They're not connect. But, but what I've found to be true way more often than not is that if for a teacher to buy into what I'm saying, they have to go through an emotional thought process and, and think to themselves, Oh my goodness, I have hurt kids. I have yeah. said things that, so what, what I used to interpret to, as not believing in me it really, what it is, is really questioning their career and what they've done and how they've handled kids. And because I make it real emotionally obvious what a kid goes through in that moment of an, you know, like a negative experience with a teacher, and they have to relive those moments to get on board with what I'm saying. The challenge is 
for those audiences that like that have that that subdued staring at me the the for those teachers that that are like us like me and you there's there's such a domineering prevailing sense on the opposite that they don't that that they don't let out who they are in those moments when they're with their peers because it's just like because it, it's it's just like it's almost inappropriate to act that way so they just keep it stuffed down and save it for their kids in their classroom yeah yeah i uh i think there's something to be said about that too and i think there's the good takeaway too i think from us as speakers is sometimes what you see and what you interpret is not always exactly, you know, we, 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 we bring it through our own lens. Selfishly. I do that all there. They're not paying attention. They don't like the content. They think I'm, you know, who's this whippersnapper with a backwards hat and what's he got to teach me? Like sort of thing. Like, you're right. A lot of the processing things differently than the way I would process them or you would process them. And um, they might be internalizing a lot of things. And I guess that's, if we're doing our job, right. That's what they're doing right? We're getting them through story and through, you know, reflection to think back at, you know, who have I been for the last few months or the last few years or last few decades? And who do I want to be moving forward? Um, if we can get them to, to reflect and to think that hard and to maybe relive some of those moments where they got it right, but also the moments when they got it wrong, then, then we're doing our job because that's, what's going to change a heart ultimately is, is not just talking about it, right? It's, it's getting them to feel it. Uh, going back to that Maya Angelou quote again. So yeah. again, that she stole from me. Yeah, man. The whole thing is, dude, is like I, I love the fact that you know, selfishly, I want to have a big day and be entertaining and have a lot of back and forth of energy and all that. But really, ultimately, what I really want is I want there to be change. I want I want a teacher to to get emotionally equipped and fill an educator with enough fuel that they can push past the point where everyone else gave up on a kid and i want yeah. him to go back and give that kid another chance and get and and let them you know expect that kid to mess up and expect that kid to mess up the opportunity that was just given to him that he's that that's a kid that's what they do and to keep giving and love that kid relentlessly and give them another opportunity to be great day after day i want that's ultimately what i want and for some teachers, for some people in the audience, for them to get there, man, the look on their face is not the look that I would have on my face because that's who they are. And man, I, like I'm, I'm to the point where I just don't read into it anymore, man. I, you know, I'm just in the moment, filling myself with as, as much love and passion as I possibly can to deliver to those educators. So that way, when they all go back, they have everything they need to make a difference in the lives of their kids. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, that is a, uh, I think a skill set that again, that's just about the at bats and getting yep. up there and like, that's how you build the confidence. And it's also just about preparing, prepare, preparing number one, like when I'm not prepared and I'm going out there and doing something like those little moments of a kid walking in with a flower will set me off. Right. Because yeah. I'm in, I'm in a negative space because I'm already like questioning if I'm doing it right. And I'm thinking about so many other things rather than like why I'm there and the work that I'm doing. Right. And it's a great metaphor for everything we've been talking about when it comes to all the things that, you know, uh, we fill our heads with. And, uh, when I'm prepared and I know what I'm saying, like to a T before I get there, um, I have so much more real estate so that when distractions happen or I get a look from a teacher that I interpret as being crabby, I don't let that read in and, or I don't read into it and I don't let that impact and affect me as much. Um, so just like, and being prepped and being prepared as a, as a presenter is just incredibly important.
Yeah, man. You know, that whole idea, you know, like we, I think we messaged back and forth before, you know, if it's not great on the page, it ain't going to be great on the stage. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Which, you know, which is so crazy true, man. And, um, and, and I don't think any, there's, there's not a, a career that really proves it more to be, you know, to be true more than what you do, what, you know, what I do and really what teachers do every day in the classroom. You know, yeah. you know, which is interesting. You know, I was—I I spoke recently. Um, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, and um, and uh, the assistant principal came up. She goes, "Oh my gosh!" It was a six-hour all-day PD thing. She's like, "You put forth so much energy. How do you do this all day?" I'm like, "Are you kidding? It's called teaching. Like that. Like that's what teachers do, man. Like six shows a day. This is it." Yeah, hundred percent. And then by the by the sixth time, you're questioning everything that you're saying. Going. Did I say that already, or is that in an earlier period, or is that not? Or did I? I there's times when I don't even finish stories. I think right. because I told the story so many times <laughs> earlier in the day that I forget where I'm at later in the day. Yeah, it's man. Crazy. Especially after crossing, uh, uh, you know, uh, date time zones, date lines. I mean, <laughs> like even today, yeah, yeah you I sent was, me. Yeah, you're ready to go an hour early. I'm like, man, that's, that's the time zone problems, brother. I've been yep. there. Yep. That's for sure. Man, how challenging is it when you're on the road and you're thinking, oh, man, I need some sleep, man. Like, like for me, it's in August because I'll do, you know, 15, 20 dates in August and I'll be booked every day, Monday through Friday. And I'm thinking, you know, I've been, I spoke for seven or eight hours. I've traveled for four or five hours. Now I'm driving into some little town. I cannot wait to get to my Holiday Inn Express. Yeah. And then I, and I, oh my God, look, look at the time. I'm going to get five hours of sleep. This is going to be awesome. And then I realize, oh my gosh, I just changed time zones. I just lost <laughs> Yeah, so, lost dude, it's demoralizing. He's no, I needed that hour. You know, I've been, I've gotten pretty lucky in that when I've set trips, I try to do it where I'm in a district or an area for a couple days in a row. Like if I can be in the same hotel for more than one day, like I feel like that just takes away so much of the, that extra mental anguish and like the wasted time of packing and, going to another place or whatever. So I try as much as I can when a school brings me in, I try to like book them on a Wednesday so that I have Thursday and Tuesday, you know, the other days that I can backfill with other schools in their district. So if I can do that, then that makes it for an easy week. That's the way you do it, man. That's the way it goes down for sure. Every time, man, you're a pro. in, In September, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska for a whole week, speaking to like every middle school there. Um, and in, earlier or maybe even what i can't remember what i think it's earlier i'm in like sacramento california for a whole week where again i'm just there for i'm hunkering down i'm speaking to all these different groups elementary middle i'm doing like parent and community events but the fact that i can just be in one location um and wake up in one bed every day like the same one like is makes uh for a huge difference Dude, it's powerful you know what i do on those weeks like you know what? i actually unpack my suitcase i hang stuff in the closet put stuff in the oh, drawer dude. oh yeah yeah I, I like i use the drawers i remember yeah. as a kid it's like well i'll use the drawer like who would ever like actually unpack and put their stuff away now it's like and i treat my hotel way different than my house my house is a you know what show and right. the hotel oh we're gonna organize it put it away and <laughs> The yeah. lights are gonna go here, and the darks are gonna go here. Right, whatever. for sure, man. It all counts, brother. Hey, listen, man. Where, where are um? So people are finding you from all over the country. Where now? Where does most of the? How do most of the schools find you? Uh, it's word of mouth. Uh, two things. Um, conferences like our one of the strongest things that we have done from a business side of things. We've stopped 
you know, cold calling schools over and over and over again and being like, Hey, notice us. Like we're good at what we do. Please hire us. It's just not a great use of our time. And so something we've done is we, we find and identify like national conferences on character or principles or, you know, principalships or the counseling or whatever. That's a good theme and a good fit for what we do. Um, and then we apply to be one of the breakout presenters there. Yep. Not the keynote because we're not going to get the keynote right off the bat. They're going to find their people that they want. But if we can come in there and do a killer breakout session yeah. where there's a hundred people in that room and from all over the country, those are all decision makers that will then go back to their schools and tell their principals or if their principals themselves hey, we should bring this guy in to talk to our staff or to our kids. And then it seems like at all these conferences, we get one or two like strong champions that really love what we do and basically want to live vicariously through us because they're so connected to the message and they're so connected to what we're doing that they they do a lot of the groundwork for us. And so they're calling the other schools and um, other teachers and other districts. And so it that's kind of how we it's kind of word of mouth, but that initial contact is usually at a conference um, where they've seen me speak before, or sometimes they watch a video. We've got a handful of videos that we've put out that have resonated really well. And so people will reach out. That's how our Sacramento thing started. She said, I saw your video on Facebook and I knew I had to bring you in our school. And then that was one time this year, one school next year, because of that, I'll be in that entire district, well, not entire district, but I'll be there for a whole week. So that's just kind of how, and who knows, two, a year from now, it might be two full weeks, you know, who knows? Right. Yeah, man, that's where it's worked for me too, is really, um, I really don't do the conference thing, but what I do is just put out stuff, content online and pretty much, I don't even probably at this point, you know, if you look outside of people that had me before, it referred me to someone else, like new business, it comes from something I posted online, a, a silly little video or something that I posted or somebody or a solution I gave to a principal. And from those, you know, just providing um, quality information and content to folks online, that's really where all my business has come from. And also same as you, man. Like if I'm if there's a professional development day and I'm not booked, I'll go do something for free. And every time I've booked something for free, like I'll do something totally. I get business out of it every single time. And you know what, man, it's um and in addition to that, this is what's happening with cool with with the be the one event that I do is I, I get calls from principals and school districts because of stuff that schools are posting online as a result of the work I did on that campus. Yeah, yeah. that's the that's the results that every administrator needs to see when they're going to invest any kind of budget dollars into somebody like us. Like they need to see that it works. And so that's the social proof that goes back that's so much better than 92% of my teachers said it was better right. or better expected or whatever. Like them saying like, "Oh my gosh, our teacher lounge is complaint-free on Wednesdays because Hal Bowman told us that once a week we should just have a complaint-free teacher lounge. How amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? Then That's that's what you need. It really is, man. And also in addition to that, dude, I, I spend um, – I probably don't spend enough time, but I do spend time you know, talking to administrators and teachers about the power of you know affecting culture on the campus by what they post online. Because, you know, it's so critical for them to, to, to tell the narrative, to really control the narrative and tell the story of their kids, their campus, and to post those magical moments. And, dude, the challenge with educators is, like, the, we, we get numb to magical moments because it's what we do all day, every day. And we, we don't know. Like, we, like, a kid had a changing moment in their life. But for us, okay, awesome, go sit down. 
this third so, period, come on in. And but we got to capture that and let people see it, man. My uh, when I'm speaking to staff, I call it toast moments because my two year old or my he's now seven, but he when he was two, my middle child, he would run downstairs in the morning and he'd love making breakfast and he would put the bread in the toaster. He'd love making toast, put bread in the toaster and he'd wait, 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 and watch and watch and watch and the bread would cook and cook and cook and finally it would pop up and he would look at me with this expression like whoa, I didn't see that coming, right? And then he would raise his hands in the air and shriek as if he just won the lottery. And I was like, dude, it's just toast, right? And he's like, no, you idiot. It's a miracle, right? And I talk about that story and I say every single kiddo in your class and every single one of you, at one point we used to cheer for little moments like the magic of toast, but we lose it. And I talk about the phones and how I think a lot of that losing of those magical moments is because we're looking down so much and we're not looking up. Um, but it's, it's that those, that's those moments that are around us every day. And it's, it's a choice of where we're going to put our focus, where we're going to put our attention. Are we going to see those moments? And if we do, are we going to realize and like realize how important they are? Are we going to build on them or are we just going to let them, them be moments? Right. And so I do this thing for every Friday, the people that are on, in my tribe that we send, we have like 5,000 people. We send uh, an email out to every Friday called toast moments. And it's just something from the week that I get from teachers or that I experience when I'm out working in schools um, that just reminds us of the little things that used to bring us so much happiness, like the magic of toast. Yeah, man. I love it. I'm going to get on that email. I want, I want, I want some of that. I need that on Fridays for sure. Yeah. Sign me up brother. All right, man. Hey, listen, man, I, um, Dude, I cannot uh, thank you enough, man, for reaching out on that first day, sitting on your couch, sending me some wacky video, and introducing yourself. Well, it's wacky and, too. It was stupid. No, you know, it was, it was yeah, it was perfect. I was like, oh, I love this guy, and um, and it was uh, because uh, just watching you and your career and all that you have going on and the impact that you're making on the lives of kids and teachers and communities, brother, it is powerful and it is inspiring, and I appreciate you so much for uh, making it all happen. Thanks, dude. Um, I said it in a text earlier, but at some point we're going to combine forces. And I don't know if that's going to be putting together an event or a video where we're talking to guys about what it means to be a man. Like we talked about that at one point. Like I'm excited to do some cool stuff because um, we only get, you know, we're only going to be this young and being able to connect with people so long before they're going to be like, we need some new voices. So I'm like, I want to take advantage of all the different rock stars that are out there like you to just create awesome stuff and make our mark on this world because we only get one opportunity to do it. So uh, I'm excited for whatever's to come. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being here, man. Thanks. You're awesome. All right. Take care, man. Take care, bro.